Hi there, I'm Ben Hook, and thanks to Sport SA and the Breakthrough Mental Health Foundation, this is the Hooked on Sport podcast. Hello, and thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Hooked on Sport podcast. This is episode five, and we have a real treat today with our guest, Tim Danzi, one of Australia's leading psychologists. Tim joined us on the back of our conversation with Dr. Sam Elliott in episode four, who offered some outstanding advice on how to keep your children active during the hashtag stay at home campaign. We also spent some time with star jockeys Dom Tenur and Emily Finnegan, who shared news from the racing industry and how it has dealt with COVID restrictions. I enjoyed talking to them and trust you enjoyed their message. Well, that was episode four of Hooked on Sport, but we're turning our attention to episode five. And on top of Tim Danzi, an Olympic gold medalist, no less, joins the show. At 21 years of age, Wendy Schaefer led the Australian eventing team to the gold medal at Atlanta back in 1996, with the ride of her life aboard Sunburst. We'll relive those memories, but also discuss her new role on the board of Equestrian SA and how they're managing not only the COVID-19 challenge, but their recent governance review and subsequent overhaul to their structure. She joins us later, but first, Tim Danzi, who is not the most famous member of his family. That title belongs to his father, Neil, a legendary figure in South Australian cricket, who played over 100 games for South Australia, beginning his career when Sir Donald Bradman was finishing his. In fact, Neil, known as Nodder, was the last person ever to bat with Bradman in an official match. Like Neil, Tim was also a very talented cricketer, but gave up dreams of playing for Australia while still in his mid-twenties to focus on his career. He became a teacher and soon after began studying psychology and now works with children with learning difficulties, but also a number of elite athletes, most most notably at AFL club the Adelaide Crows and A-League club Adelaide United. Tim is also a passionate local sports club person. He coaches the under-15s at Moriata Netball Club in the eastern suburbs of Adelaide. He joins me next. Hi, I'm Gabby Nance from the Hockey Roos, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Tim Dancy, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Thanks very much. Good to talk to you, Ben. Thank you for joining us. Just describe for us, you work with elite athletes, you work with young kids in schools. Let's just talk about some of the specific challenges that you can see them facing in this period of time. Firstly, elite athletes, and I know you've done some work with the Adelaide Football Club, with Adelaide United. Uh, In general terms, what are some of the challenges that face elite athletes when their sport gets shut down? Yeah, well, it's quite interesting because I think with any sport, you have people who are very self-driven and you've got some athletes who, and even at the elite level, who do need really good structure and really good people around them to push them to make sure they keep up their standards, keep up their level. So probably one of the hardest things is, is I guess, what we call your, it's your intrinsic and extrinsic motivation. So uh, one of the biggest challenges is getting players to be self-motivated and making sure that they are keeping up with the standards that are required, doing all the training sessions that are required, because often they haven't got the people there to make them do it. And one of the things I do find in elite sport these days is our elite athletes are so managed. Mm. So they get told when to do it, what to do, when to eat, when to sleep. Everything is tested. Everything is checked. 
all of a sudden this is taken away. Not not 100%, but there's no one watching them. And so a lot of athletes get a little bit lost when this happens. So to me, that's the biggest challenge is, is, is getting the self-motivation to make sure you're doing everything that you want to do. Because we all know this, and particularly when it gets cold, it's very easy to go, oh, God, I just want to stay in bed. It's a bit tough. <laughs> so that, that, I think, is probably the biggest challenge from the elite athletes is, is not having someone looking over your shoulder all the time and finding the self-motivation. From the kids' point of view, often it's um, in some ways a little bit the same because they're, they're guided coaches tell them what to do, how to train, uh, sorts of activities they need to do. Um, but also, kids often have a lot more distractions than our elite athletes. So what can happen to the kids is that they'll have their friends online, they've got games online, uh, schoolwork, I guess we're on school holidays now. Um, but also, sometimes it's just a lack of knowledge of, of what appropriate training is and what they actually need to do. So for the kids, I tend to think it's just maybe not knowing and where to look and boredom. You know, you do the same exercises all the time. You are going to get a bit bored with it. And so that can have an impact as well. What's the difference? Is there a difference between boredom and routine? And how can routines be managed in the environment that we're in at the moment? Yeah, absolutely. Because if it's like anything. If you do the same thing over and over and over, you're going to get bored. However, one thing I would say, Hooky, is that I've got this saying, out of boredom comes creativity. Right. So because if you get bored for a while, guess what's going to happen? You're going to find new ways to exercise, new ways to do things. So some ways I think a little bit of boredom is not a bad thing in general, but um, routine is critical because changing your routine, doing lots of different exercises. Can I give you, I'll give you an example. Love one. With um, some netballers. I coach an under-15 team at Moriata, and one of the things I've said, okay, girls, we're going to develop some different skills. So one of the skills I've got them doing is juggling. So I'm, <laughs> we're learning how to juggle. They've all got tennis balls and they're all practicing their juggling. So you know, it's just a little thing like that. I, I get them to do balancing skills, something simple. When they clean their teeth at night, you stand on your left foot for three minutes. When you clean your teeth in the morning, you stand on your right foot for three minutes. So it's just little fun activities that you get the kids to do. And it changes it up a bit for them as well. Do you find that the kids interact well with that? I imagine you're sending them the information, but does that help them interact with each other? Oh, absolutely. Look, we're so lucky. Um, we live in a world of great social media where we can contact each other. And, and I think of anything that's come out of the, the current scenario, we've we've learnt how to communicate better with our athletes because we've been forced to. And dinosaurs like me <laughs> have had to learn better processes to keep in touch with athletes. And I know the netball club... What we do is each day through social media, we post out some netball training drills. Um, netball Australia have got wonderful, wonderful drills online that anybody can go onto their website. I'm um, with Water Polo USA. I'm on, I'm on the board there. And, and what Water Polo Australia have done is they've got clips of all their elite athletes, all their Olympians, showing their home training drills. So um, it's about making sure the kids know where to find this information but I think as parents, what we've got to do is make sure we encourage our kids as well to look at it and um, and, and keep up with the training programs. Uh, and I think it's great. That, and Facebook, and I've got your Moriata Netball Club Facebook page in front of me now, and it's quite incredible the amount of information that you're regularly putting out. But 
if I'm someone who's running another local sports club, uh, let's say uh, maybe a hockey club or a tennis club or something like that, where can I go to find the information? Because it does seem that you've done an incredible job of being able to source the information. And it's not just from Netball Australia. I can find YouTube clips here and stuff from the oh, Sydney yeah. Swifts. Yep. yep, we've got a lot of stuff up. Well, this is, I think, probably one of the things in all this, Ben, is that you can talk to your friends. It's amazing by just asking people through social media, have you got any good links to some training programs? So, for example, I, I go to a yoga studio at, at um, uh, Arendelle, and um, hello, Belinda, I hope you're listening. <laughs> and, and what's happened, Belinda's moved her yoga studio online, so we've got Pilates classes, um, we've got yoga classes. There are so many classes online now. So it's just a matter of asking people and looking for different types of activities. So my thinking is what we've got to do is do different sorts of training um, to make it interesting for people as well. So throw in some uh, Pilates, yoga, um, some walking exercises, some, do some hills walks. Now, there's so many different things that we can do to make it fun. But have a look at the um, Sports Australia websites, but go to your sports because I think what you'll find is most of your sports at the high level, they're, they're putting stuff online for their athletes. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, I'm not convinced that Moriata Netball Club's going to win the premiership this year, but I want to come to your talent <laughs> night because I reckon that will be a fair bit of fun if you've got everyone juggling three and four balls. Oh, well, I, look, I remember when I was playing cricket, we used to practice juggling. Uh, and I said to the girls, you know, one of the things I'd like to be able to do is have us all stand in a line and we can just pass the balls back and forth along the line to each other. Yeah, so that's our target for the end of the year. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just finding those fun activities for kids as well. I'm also another one is helping kids develop reflex skills, peripheral vision skills, you know, anything that makes them think um, about their sport, strategies. Yeah, and there's lots of different little activities that you can do to, to develop skills in, in so many sports. I'm talking to Tim Danzi. He is a psychologist and involved with both the Moriata Netball Club and South Australian Water Polo. As a psychologist, Tim, what's good psychology for people who are healthy? I think most people think that they have some sort of mental challenge in their life and that's when they need to see a psychologist. For people who are healthy, what's good psychology? What are, what are some yep. good things to maintain mental health? Okay, first thing, stay healthy. Is my philosophy, and I always say there's five. I always talk about the five secrets of being happy. So hopefully I remember them all. But the first one is exercise. Mm. We all feel better after we exercise. Second one is hang around with positive people. We all know people who what I call you know they're, they're the dementors, the, the Harry Potter dementors. They just suck the life out of you. So what you want to do is find the people who give you energy, make you laugh, make you smile. So you, you know you just feel good around them. Another thing is learn. See, this is a wonderful opportunity to learn something new. Uh, I mean, I've got three daughters and the, um, two who are living at home with us are talking about learning the guitar at the moment. You, know, you can get online, learn a language, learn to cook something. So learn is important. Another one is give. Do lots of little things for others without asking anything in return. You know, but talk to your neighbours, smile to people, show really good manners, um, give compliments. And the last one is take notice, like... Today in Adelaide, um, you know, it's a beautiful 27-degree day. It's just go outside of the office and just look up and enjoy the weather. So take notice of the little things. So to me, if, if you can practice those five things every day, I'm hoping that you'll stay happy. Mm. I'm not, it's hard to do them all every day, but you know, try and get a couple in every day and every week. Make sure you're ticking all those boxes. Now that, that's what I highly recommend. 
What about people who have more time on their hands? And I think most of us are in that situation. You were talking to me just before we came on air. You're spending a lot more time in the garden. I'm sure there are things that are healthy to be doing with that extra time and there are things that aren't. How can you sort of direct yourself, if you like, towards the things that are going to be better for you? Oh, routine. Make sure you get your routines going. So get up, go to bed at the same time, get up at the same time, do the same sorts of things, regardless if you've got more time on your hands. I think as humans, we are very much creatures of routine and we function so much better when we know you know what's happening around us. Now, admittedly, for a lot of people, the routine has changed significantly. Um, and the way I explain it, it's like when you get a, uh, you move from Windows 7 to Windows 10 or whatever it is, mm-hmm. what you have to do is you have to reboot your computer. Now, all the information's there, but you've just got to deal with this new information and learn how to use it. And that's what's happening because we're all of a sudden our routines have changed, but we've got the information stored within us, so we're going to reboot ourselves and just get into this new pattern for a little while. So give yourself a bit of time, but try and get your routines going as quickly as you can and stick to them. But also, as I said, do those five things. And with that one, I think certainly avoid um, for kids spending too much time on technology. Mm. Um you know, get outside and, and be creative. And I think that's that classic thing of when you get a bit bored, you get creative. Gee, your point about uh, Windows 7 to Windows 10 really hit home. My wife actually described me as the like the Microsoft paperclip uh, <laughs> because we're both working from home at the moment. She just thinks he keeps bobbing up for no good reason. <laughs> what's, <laughs> what's he doing there? I wish I could get him out of my way. What about um, having kids at home and we're on school holidays at the moment, Tim? Um, so yep. uh, we recognise that kids are always going to be at home, but it's possible that you're going to have kids at home for quite a long period uh, over the course of second term. Yeah. What are some? Yeah, I hope not. yeah, yeah. Well, I hope not as well. But what are some of the? I guess the practical things you can spend yeah. a little bit of time investing in your kids so that they're, as you said, not getting onto technology and and just doing things that you think might be helpful for them from whether it's activities or sport or or yeah. anything that you can sort of direct them towards the 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 healthier mental and physical aspects of their lives yeah well look one thing i'd say is trust your teachers and talk to your teachers mm. so what we've got to do online learning is keep kids in those same routines get them up at the same time they sit down at their you know, into their class structure so to speak at the same time they have their recess breaks they have their lunch breaks after school they would normally get them into doing what they would do after school only difference is because they're at home we haven't got that travel time Try and find time for some exercise in that in those off periods or get them to do a little bit of stuff around the house. So we bring in those, a few extra activities, a bit more responsibility as well. But things like play board games, play card games. Um, if, if we're looking for support with learning, a lot of parents have spoken to me about that recently. The organisation Spelled in South Australia, which I think is www.spelled.org, mm. wonderful resource for online learning applications for kids mm. so it's about making sure that our kids are having fun in in our local paper okay the advertiser i've been doing all those word activities which are just fantastic mm. for kids mm. so it's finding um activities to keep them amused and don't be scared to get out the board games and the card games teach your kids some new card games as well you know, there's lots of things we can do as parents we just got to be a bit creative and actually as parents we've got to put technology away ourselves and have some fun with our kids mm. Tim, I'm also interested in your thoughts on 
people, and I guess because I've worked in sport for so long, I'm most closely affected by the people who've worked in sports administration and sports marketing and events and so forth who've lost their jobs as a result of yeah. this. Uh, what yeah. are some of the recommendations you have perhaps for people who, and I know you've been through it a couple of times. You were very young yeah. in life. You were going to be a first class and international cricketer like me and both of us didn't get too far with that and we had to move on and um, choose other vocations in life. What's your recommendation for people who maybe through no fault of their own, their careers come to a bit of a grinding halt? Oh, please stay hopeful. It'd be one of the first things. This will pass and, and life will get back to, um, you know, I don't think it'll be as we know it, but life will get back to some normality. So please stay hopeful and play, stay positive. But in the meantime, look at learning new skills. Now, what is it that you can do that's going to improve you as a person and develop you as a person? And it might be that it's an opportunity to um, look at a different career pathway. And I'd always say, okay, well, what can I do that makes me good at my job, makes me better um, than the person next to me? How can I keep developing myself as a person? And that that comes back to learning. Uh, I also think with that is that... um, don't be scared if, if you are having difficulty um, to, to reach out and talk to someone, Ben. That, that's where uh, we've got plenty of psychologists in, in Australia and around the world where people can talk to if they are struggling at this point. And, and I think there'll be quite a few people who will, who will be. So have the courage to actually seek some help because it is a tough time. So it's that balance. If you are really struggling, don't be scared to talk to someone. But at the same time, try and stay positive, look after yourself and, and, and develop yourself. Um, is what I would recommend. Just lastly, mate, Moriarty Netball Club, South Australian Water Polo. I think the water polo is a, a summer sport, so hopefully that gets underway again around about so. October. Um, yep. What are your hopes for Moriarty this year? You, you're likely to get a competition underway? Oh, I hope so. Look, I haven't coached for probably five years. My last coaching stint was in the, the A1 team, which was really, really good. I absolutely loved it. And, uh, uh, my wife's been doing a lot of coaching, so she's taking a, having a rest this season. So I thought I would step in and coach the under-15 Division 1s. And I have to say at this point, we are undefeated, which is pretty good. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I really we have a wonderful bunch of kids. And um, I'm actually, funny enough, because I haven't coached for a while, I'm really excited about it. And just <laughs> I have to say, I was very disappointed when I was told, a, we weren't going to have a season, but then when I was told we couldn't train, I thought, oh, man, God, that was horrible because it's always fun. I always have great fun at training. Yeah, so, But I, I, I look at it from my kids, it's participation and enjoyment, and I always say, what is success? And when, and in, you know, when I'm working with kids and um, families, what is success? And for me, success with our team is that every kid will sign up and play somewhere out of next year. Mm. That's, to me, success. Well, I tell you. So that, that's what I'm hoping for. You've done a wonderful job uh, aggregating all of that information on your Facebook page. So if you're a young netballer and uh, you don't feel like you're getting a heck of a lot from your own club, well, just point them to the Moriata Netball Club Facebook page because every day there's uh, some more information. I see Thames and Greenway giving some information yeah, on defending that. just today as we're, or a couple of days ago as we're looking at it. Yeah, and we've actually, one of the things we've put out to our players, I'm not sure if this one's on the face, but we've put the knee program out. Too. Yes, in, tell us about that. The knee program. Well, we know that in netball, um, a lot of athletes have knee challenges. So that's a, it's the difficulty, the most common injuries are knees and ankles in netball. So what we're doing is we've developed a knee strengthening program. Um, my wife, Katie, is a podiatrist who's a big part in this. 
Um, and we've just got lots of information on what we can do to develop knee strength and ankle strength. So we're hoping our players, you know, it's not going to rule out kids hurting themselves. That's just part of the game. However, we're just hoping we can maybe prevent some injuries through that knee program. Tim Danzi, just a fascinating chat. Really appreciate you joining us here this oh, afternoon on Hooked on Sport. No, happy to have a chat to you and uh, look forward to listening to the podcast down the track. Hi, this is Jake Parkinson. I'm the CEO of Sample, and you're listening to Hooked on Sport. Well, it was fantastic to hear from Tim Danzi. I hope you gleaned something from him. And I can recommend if you have kids, you should tune into Tim's own podcast. It's called Setting Your Children Up for Success. Now, Series 4, Episode 11, is titled Parenting and the Pandemic. And I urge you to listen in there once you are finished here. But you're not finished here because a member of the Australian Sport Hall of Fame is about to drop by. Can you imagine... Nine weeks out from competing at the Olympic Games, you break your leg. Well, that's what happened to Wendy Schaefer on the eve of her debut appearance at the Games at Atlanta in 1996. She recovered in time to take her place, but it was unknown if she would be able to make a meaningful contribution to the team. Well, against all odds, aboard Sunburst, the horse she had ridden since she was competing in Pony Club, she produced the best individual performance in the eventing team competition to lead Australia to the team victory. This young kid from Australia was the youngest ever recipient of an equestrian gold medal. What an inspiration. Wendy is now the Vice Chair of Equestrian South Australia, and she joins me after this message from John Mannion of the Breakthrough Mental Health Research Foundation. It's really important to remember to take time out, especially if you're at home for long periods of time. Go and find your own space. Maybe read a book or call a friend. Remember not to be too hard on yourself or on others. This will help minimise any ongoing stress of being in this limited space or with others. And now back to the show. Wendy Schaefer, welcome to Hooked on Sport. Fabulous. Thank you very much for having me, Ben. Great to um, be speaking with you. Wendy, you've been on the board of Equestrian South Australia, I think, for about five months. And since then, the world has stopped. I can't imagine you planned for this. No, we didn't plan for this, absolutely. Um, no one's planned for this. And as I suppose the Prime Minister and every other <laughs> nation leader is saying, we couldn't plan for this. Uh, look, we are still very privileged to, for perhaps the majority of us to live on land with our horses. Um, and probably social isolation is not so uncommon for us. I wouldn't necessarily see a whole lot of people day to day in my regular life. But um, yeah, no of all joking aside as such um it's a, a crazy um crazy world at the moment and um yeah we're very privileged to live in australia and more so to live in south australia i'm sure there's a number of people who'll be listening in who don't have any real understanding of what equestrian south australia does under normal circumstances so perhaps just provide a bit of information on what esa does and how it supports its members under normal business working conditions Excellent. Look, look, essentially, Equestrian South Australia is the peak governing body for our 
sport, um, specifically, I suppose, for the Olympic disciplines, but we also uh, support sports that have um, a part of our world championships, so sports like um, vaulting and um, carriage driving, uh, sort of important sports on an international scale, if even if they're not huge in Australia right now, but we support them. And then also our national um, disciplines of uh, show horse and uh, the inter-school competitions. So essentially that, that's our main role is to be you know, in governance um, and to run the association um, in, a, in a way that the members um, deserve to have it run, if that makes sense. So the um, you know, funds well spent and um, just that we're you know, upholding our responsibilities to make sure it's sort of a level playing field and the culture of the um, association is, is as good as we, you know, we would love, love it to be. So there's plenty of work to be done. Um, and we also then oversee, I suppose, the discipline committees, are the subcommittees of the board, um, and they are the subject matter experts in each of their different fields um, so that that's sort of also part of what we we do, I suppose, as part of the management, but also letting them get on and, and do what they do to run their sports. So can I just check, discipline means the style of eventing that we're talking about and not getting smacked over the backside for being naughty? No, sorry, I should have, <laughs> should have qualified on that one. Um, I suppose we call it disciplines, but um, essentially it's different sort of sub-sports almost, but a question is quite amazing at how many different sort of branches we have. So I'm talking about the Olympic disciplines is the um, eventing, the dressage and the show jumping. And then we can add some world championship disciplines, which has been the, the vaulting, um, reining, which we don't really do, endurance and um, the um, carriage driving. Um, and then there's also that national disciplines of show horse and into school. So they're the actual specific, what we call disciplines. Um, but yeah, so maybe it's an equestrian term. I'm not sure. Um, <laughs> but, but we also have disciplinary bylaws. So there's <laughs> perhaps a bit of a bit of both, but um, yeah, no, that that's sort of our main role. And and look, there's times when things don't run well, and that's when the space of leadership comes to the fore. And how can we, um, you know, best sort of survive through that and and carry on? Have you had to stop competitions? Yes, unfortunately, about a month ago, I last competed. I think it was 14th of March. So, yes, and and realistically, we're hoping they'll be going again by September, perhaps. Um, you know, barring any sort of further outbreaks and so forth, um, you know, country and world. But um, yeah, no, it's been quite. Um, yeah, quite strange, as for every other, other sport. So, yeah, I think we're all in the same boat in that respect. Are all in the same boat, but I would contend that eventing in particular, I mean, you couldn't, I couldn't think of a more socially distant sport than than the three-day event. There must be some sort of hope that maybe you could, you're as a sport, could even be potentially a bit of a test case for seeing if things can resume when they do get an opportunity to do so, according to the health experts. Yeah, it's been interesting. I would like to think that basically all sports will come back together. Um, it's not so much the interaction between um, the competitors, shall we say, that yes, we're on horses so we can definitely keep apart, um, but it, we have a rely on a large sort of volunteer uh, workforce to um, be jump judges and pencilers and judges and so forth, so they're much more interactive. Um, and, and really that's what been a big part of why it makes sense for us not to run now. I mean, aside from the fact that no one's allowed to, but mm. just that would be um, of risk to our um, volunteer sort of population, many of whom perhaps are in the uh, more vulnerable age categories. 
Describe for me the relationships between your competitors. Is it is it club based or are they individuals? How do they interact with each other? A little bit of a variation, I suppose, depending on the sport itself. Uh, for instance, the dressage clubs tend to have there might be sort of ten or so in the state that um, run their own competitions, but all um, all come together to perhaps do a state championships or more of a country championships. Um, whereas the eventing sport has no clubs at all. Um, that uh, that we may have well come from a pony club background, but the eventing sport itself has no clubs. The show jumping clubs are existence. Um, it, it just just varies a little bit between um, sports, but yes, it's sort of that common. Um, purpose and and you know a lot of people know each other i suppose south australia is a fairly small state but i suppose in, in, interdiscipline as well um so myself i've obviously primarily eventing but compete a lot of show jumping and some dressage as well so i know people that way and um yeah it's, it's fairly connected perhaps um most of south australia's equestrian people we're recording this just uh, after Easter and the announcement's only come out recently that the Royal Show has cancelled. What does that mean to your community? Oh, it's very, very disappointing. The Royal Adelaide Show is just such a special place and to compete on the, the holy turf, as we call it, um, in the middle there is, is fantastic. Um, you know, it holds a really special place. I sort of competed there as a, a junior and then 10 years later came back as a, a senior and rode a lot of um, show jumping and so there. Um, so, yeah, so many people really you know, have that as their pinnacles, particularly the show horse um, group. Um, that's a really, really big thing for them. And, and the show jumping, it's a big competition. So, um, very disappointing, but understand that these events take so long to run and plan that they just can't do that with the uncertainty and um, we are concerned uh, I suppose also with the um, Australian International three-day event coming up that you know it's a couple of months later back in November but it's just the funding and having everything um, you know sorted then so very hopeful we can keep that a reality shall we say but um, that's in a similar boat I would imagine to um, the Royal Adelaide show yeah, I mean, that would just be uh, so devastating, wouldn't it? I mean, that's really just been such a fantastic event for Adelaide in the city of Adelaide there, people getting an opportunity to an experience a sport that they're just not commonly exposed to when you're a city slicker. Yeah, absolutely. That's a unique event in that to have that level of competition, like literally in a city. Um, again, you know, a very special event. And again, very important for 2021 Tokyo, that's 2020. But um, yeah, another performance, you know, important trial for our elite horses. Um, but yeah, it's a, yeah, fingers crossed. <laughs> You're a relatively new member of uh, Equestrian SA, and look, I know they've had some challenges and we're not going to back the car over that ground again, but you as Vice-Chair Steve <laughs> Ludlam, a good mate of mine from uh, Rugby uh, South Australia. Yeah. Um, just describe how important it's been for you to to be really clear with your communication to all of your members over the course of the last, well, month in particular, but uh, four or five months in general terms. Yeah, I mean, certainly specifically now, it's just to give them the clarity and reassurance. Uh, so I think it's very important, um, this, uh, the letter that Steve has written to ministers and so forth within South Australia and Australia to, I suppose, make sure that we've got, um, shall we say, a voice regarding essential services for the horse industry and, and very much combined with um, the uh, Thoroughbred Racing South Australia also and um, Nick Borden um, has been very helpful there too, but just to make sure 
sure we're sort of on, on the same page as such. Um, and just giving um, you know, members reassurance of what they can and perhaps can't do because, of course, there's so many things out there and so-and-so said this, but so-and-so said that. And there's different, um, I suppose, regulations in different states too. So that, that's been you know, very um, specific uh, regarding that sort of ruling and so forth. But really what we can um, utilise this time for is sort of all the updating our policies and, and governance reviews of our discipline committees. Um, we've got you know things like measuring horses and just things that um, uh, those specific things that need to be updated with new equipment and new policies and training of new people. Um, we've got some sort of online and, and virtual competitions to kind of, you know, keep members, you know, including myself, actively engaged in training the horses. Um, I suppose there's a bit of a, um, a saying we have, you know, it's complain or train. Um, <laughs> we, you know, the, <laughs> we can train the horses to be, you know, better sort of six months in, in six months' time or you've got a horse this six months older, so um, yeah, so there's you know specific um, things we can do there, but um, again, as an association, uh, we're looking to post some education articles on uh, different things like a swabbing protocols, so like you know, drug testing and horses, um, and, and different sort of I suppose ethics and so on, and officials, and there's, there's many things that we can do and are still working through. Um, we've got a psychologist doing some sessions both, both in a group session with um, our squad riders but also to have a general membership um, session that they can kind of come into online for performance anxiety so there's just many things we can do and get feedback and oh actually can we try this so um, there's there's plenty to do now but um, it's just being a little bit innovative I suppose how we're best to put it across and, and obviously listening to our membership is also what they want Complain or train. That's something that uh, we're going to steal and use elsewhere, I think, because that can apply to so many different sports, not just equestrian. Wendy, hey, I've got to ask you, it's an Olympic year. Uh, Do you get not so much itchy feet, but I guess a little bit extra excited uh, before the announcement that the Olympics were going to be postponed? Do you you get the opportunity to reflect back when you were just a young 21-year-old and representing Australia with such esteem, leading, uh, leading the eventing team to a gold medal back in 96 in Atlanta? Oh, look, absolutely. I mean, as I say, it does feel like a lifetime ago, but you know, eternally grateful that it happened, absolutely. Um, yeah, so it's, gosh, that was like 24 years ago now. Um, but it is a special time, the Olympics, and I've not been, unfortunately, been able to be close enough to get to um, any sort of since then, but I'm, again, very privileged to have a, a wonderful memory um, of Atlanta. Of, um, I suppose a bit of a battle against the odds. I actually had a broken leg at the time, which mm. is not ideal, but probably in the only sport that you could possibly conceive competing still <laughs> would be on the back of a horse as opposed to running or um, rowing or something yourself. So, yeah, that, that interesting is- time. That is something that people perhaps aren't aware of. I mean, you are still actively competing and uh, and turning up for events routinely. You're not retired and now just an administrator. Not yet, no. <laughs> it's an interesting one, actually. I was uh, privileged to be inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame mm. back in 2002. Um, but because they had a few sports they didn't, you didn't have to quite be retired from. Most of the time, you have to be retired for a few years before they'll induct you. But I think it was yachting and equestrian and maybe sailing or so that they would sort of um, not uh, require that. Um, but then 
last, sorry, 2018, um, I accepted an induction into the South Australian Hall of Fame and that's when they said, okay, you've actually got to be retired now. So I was like, oh, okay, I suppose I'm retired now. <laughs> uh, but, you know, from international team competitions. But look, if I have the right horse again, I would like to ride that up through the grade. Um, at this point, I've still got young horses that are a few years away and I suppose that's the challenge of the equestrian sport that, it, you know, does take time to develop um Horses, so that you know, the one I've got that perhaps has got the potential as a seven year old, so he won't be at a sort of Olympic level competition for two or three years, um, if, if all goes to plan, and if he's good enough, so you never quite know. That must have been out of the box your performance back in '96. Young horse, young rider, broken leg. I mean, do you did you sort of realize what you'd done at the time? Um, it, it was interesting. I mean, that yes, I had the leg and I was a relatively young rider. The horse, um, Sunburst, was pretty experienced by that, but more so we'd been a partnership for 10 years. Mm. So I um, got the, well, my parents, um, you know, bought me a, an ex racehorse as an 11 year old child. I was a fairly experienced rider at that point, um, and our relationship grew, and he went and did so much more than, you know, you could ever think would be possible but you know I suppose I had the dream I was pretty ambitious um so we got to Atlanta um feeling like okay this is not an ideal preparation at all but he had run well at the badminton horse trials um in the springs for some three months prior to that and I'd broken my horse Sorry, broken my leg off another horse. Um, but he, you know, I got to Atlanta thinking if any combination is experienced or know each other as well, you know, that's us kind of thing. And even though, you know, we just fortunately went our way and, um, yeah, that's history. Uh, lastly, I want to ask you about uh, I think you spent the last decade in uh, England before moving back here around about 18 months ago. Do you sort of look on with horror at what's going on in London at the moment? I am very glad I'm not living in the UK right now, absolutely. I actually never planned to be living in the UK but had been um, you know, campaigning prior to London and happened to um, – meet my husband Nigel at the time um, and then went back and got married the next year and, and lived there for the, you know, the best part of the five and a half, six years. Uh, but yes, very glad I'm not back in England now. Well, we're glad to have you here as well, Wendy. Definitely. It's much better back in South Australia. <laughs> but no, it is great to be home. This is, you know, when you've grown up with a lot of the people and sort of the business and the property and everything was, you know, here. So, um, yeah, no, much happier back in Australia. So... Where do you hope, and of course we've got to rely on medical experts here, but where do you hope that Equestrian South Australia will be, let's say six months' time, the beginning of November? I think I'm really hopeful that we've had a good time to sort of dig deep and get on with our um, you know, administration and, and culture and so forth working forward with that. So we've you know, certainly had some challenging times in the last sort of five, six years or probably longer even. So it's really a matter of sort of gaining, re- rebuilding membership trust. But um, I suppose it's being providing the um, opportunity for people to communicate before they want to go to the press, I suppose, is the important thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> realistically, but, but to have yeah, to have better relations, obviously, and to be um, you know seen to be doing the right thing by both the sport and its membership. Well, you've certainly done the right thing by Hooked on Sport, Wendy Schaefer, nineteen ninety six Olympic Games gold medalist. Thank you for joining us on Hooked on Sport. 
Thank you very much, Brendan. It's been fun. You're listening to the Hooked on Sport podcast, your virtual sports club. Well, what a show, capped off by our first ever Olympic gold medalist. That is the final hurdle that has been leapt on episode five of Hooked on Sport. A big thanks to both Tim Danzi and to Wendy Schaefer for taking the time to appear on today's pod. Don't forget to let us know who you'd like to hear from or share with us a little bit about your club. Prince Alfred Old Collegians Cricket Club shared with us their unique presentation night, completed entirely online and featuring live crosses to captains and the club coach throughout the evening. To get a few ideas from it, you can watch it on YouTube via the PAO CCC Facebook page. And Morielta Netball Club have a great program where a new training drill is uploaded to their Facebook page every day for all of their members to be able to work on their game while they're still at home. These are excellent little ideas for any sports club. Big thank you to Hockey Queensland, Target Rifle SA, Swimming SA and the SA Cricket Umpires and Scorers Association for taking the time to share our program. We're at Hooked on Sport on Facebook. Get in contact, say hi and share with us what your club is up to so we can share it with everyone. Thank you to Ben Watson who created and performed the musical intro to Hooked on Sport and to the show's producer Wallace Long. That's it for episode five, but keep an eye out for episode six in the next couple of days. We chat to the CEO of the South Australian Cricket Association, Keith Bradshaw. See you soon on Hooked on Sport.